As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Like, I'm going to be honest, these last couple of weeks, I've really struggled to put this episode together. Why is that? I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I've just been feeling a bit burnt out. I needed to take a pause and get refreshed. Okay. I could totally understand that. So what did you do to get refreshed? Nothing. I, I think that was the trick. I just waited until I had the inspiration to, to just pull everything together. Well, you know, sometimes you just need that inspiration. I think that's a good thing, actually. You know, I think actually maybe we should all just accept that sometimes it's okay to do nothing and wait for that inspiration. I know it, it makes me feel guilty, right? When I take that time, but taking a step back instead of just pushing through, 
When I finally sat down to write it, it all just kind of flowed out. Well, it is good to have you back, Michael. Thanks. And right before we take another break. (laughs) That's true. But not a complete break. True. We'll still be releasing interviews each week while we prep for... Season five. Season five. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. And actually... Another crazy thing, we just hit another milestone recently, too. What's that? 300 episodes for Rocket Ship. We just, the last few episodes, we crossed that 300 episode barrier. I, I honestly didn't even realize. It's crazy to think that, like, four years ago, we started this podcast. Wow. Just a huge thanks to, to everyone listening, uh, which is really the reason we continue to do this. It is. And so, what are we going to talk about today? So, today we're going to look back at season four. We're going to pull out some of our favorite moments. Uh, So if you haven't heard every episode. Or maybe if you just don't remember everything from every episode. Right, which I barely do. We're going to cover the best of the best here today. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So where should we start? Well, season four really started at Industry 2017. While this was in your backyard, I jumped on a plane from Montreal to Cleveland for this two-day conference for product people where I got to interview many of the folks that built the foundation of the topics that we talked about in this season. And so of the people that you met at Industry and interviewed, who was the most surprising? Without a doubt, it was Blade Cottley. But let's come back to him. I I also really enjoyed talking with Allison Go of Facebook about product management at both Facebook and Amazon. Why is that? Well, it's Facebook and Amazon, right? Two of the most respected product teams for the scale that they operate at. And she did have that story about Audible that really highlighted why diversity and understanding your users is so important. Let's roll the tape. So this was around the time Apple was moving away from the pseudomorphic design of iOS 6. Okay, so iOS 7, that would be like, what, 2013? Yeah, I I think you're right. And so Allison Goh, who's currently a product manager at Facebook, was leading the team behind the Audible iOS app. So we wanted to um, be modern, right? We wanted to update the app so it matched that um, look and feel. Part of the thinking was like, You know, if you have an old, crusty-looking app, um, people won't want to use it, like, won't trust it even. And actually, like, you know, what's really interesting is if you want to recruit people to work on your product, like engineers, like, they don't, they're going to look at this thing, it has, like, all the drop shadows or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and and they're like, what is this thing? Like, I don't want to work on this. (laughs) So there's a little bit of that. And so we we went through this exercise of modernizing the app, right? Or modernizing the look and feel. We didn't really change that much of it, like the functionality. Seems um, innocent enough. Completely. I've, I've been guilty of more than a few indulgent UI redesigns, right? But this was a major update for Apple and Audible being an incredibly popular app. Amazon didn't want it to be seen as falling behind. So how bad of a mistake could it have been then? The app was like white and had like, like a gray kind of gradient to it, which was like super like pre- iOS 7 or whatever um, version okay. um, this this change happened on. Um, but it was like white and gray. So what we, what we did was like, okay, we're going to do like a white background and no more gradients. And it's going to be like white and like very clean looking, very okay. modern. Um, we launched it and we made it. It's like, we were like, that's so beautiful. People are going to love it. 
And turns out when you have like a white app, that's like really, really, really awful at night. Okay, all right. Right, so you have to think about some of the popular use cases of, of Audible. And turns out people use Audible at night a lot, you know, and not only that, they you know, use it before they go to bed. Um, but the thing that, I, that really killed me was um, one, one part of our uh, like customer base or audience are like people who like long haul truckers, okay. um, which makes sense. Yep. A lot of long haul truckers in yep. Texas. Um, yep. And they end up driving through the night and they have their Audible app. And then it's like a beacon, like screaming at them from their mount. And the, it's like literally dangerous. It's dangerous for them because it's so bright. Wow. Yeah. And they can they dim it to the very lowest level, um, but it still doesn't help. It's too bright. Okay. And so these are just use cases that, you know, me as a city dweller who uses it on the subway. Yeah, I like, would not have seen that coming either. Right? And if they were all living in New York City, I doubt anyone on the team drove much, let alone overnight, all night on pitch dark streets. Um, so this is like my universe of how I use use um, Audible and use audiobooks. And so like none of us picked up on this use case, right? Um, and so no one spoke up and was like, hey, there's these people who might use it in this way. And so we put out this product, not or this change, not thinking about all these people. So I think yeah. the hu- this comes back, to, like, seems like I'm a huge um, proponent of user research, but I really am, right? Because yeah. um, if we had a much stronger sense of who the user was and really understood their use cases fully, I feel like we could have caught this much earlier. So how did they end up fixing it? And um, what we ended up doing, like, once we um, had, we, we made a night mode um, to, as, a, like, a fix. Yeah. And so we... <laughs> To test night mode, we actually like blocked out like rooms and made them like pitch black to like test if they were too bright. It's really funny, um, but it was like you know like that that was so avoidable if we really truly understood the various use cases the of model. And that was that was on me, you know, not not really digging into that and just okay. having a fairly myopic view of who our who our user is. Right. Um, right. And like. Yeah, I know about our truckers. I know that that's a, a, a core audience for us. But then, like, it didn't, I didn't like, I didn't really understand it at the depth where I'm like, but long haul, and and they drive it. No, I don't have a car. Yeah. This is the case for like diversity. It's the case yeah. for having a team that like can speak up and say, hey, like, um, I use this at night. It was really bright. Like, maybe you should consider that. Um, and so, like, building that culture and like really pushing people to speak up is also important. So, like, understanding your user. And many of those people are going to be working with you, which is awesome. Um, So being able to hear those voices, but as well as the voices out there that maybe you don't have a lot of visibility in on your day to day. That is such a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important, especially the diversity and inclusion lesson here. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. That's business.att.com. Now, back to the show. Well, where do we go from there? How about one of your favorite episodes? Okay. Well, what comes to mind for me would have to be our Twitter confessionals episode. That was where I scoured Twitter for people who talked about products that they were so passionate about that they professed their love to the world for them on Twitter. 
And then I actually ended up having conversations with those people about those products. And one of my favorite parts from that episode is a conversation I had with Lindsay and her love for Fresh. That pH balance roll-on deodorant brand? (laughs) Yes, that is the one. Well, what I learned from Lindsay is that she loves products that have a story. And for her, there was actually a story behind Fresh, and it was the story that really resonated with her. She just had a really interesting story. That's something that also intrigues me about products is stories behind them. The fact that I got to meet her and just, you know, for me, I'm like, what makes you so passionate about deodorant that that's what you want to do for your life? (laughs) You know, I like to know those things because that can make a decision whether I buy a product or not, depending on meeting the person behind it or knowing kind of their story. There's a ton of products that I use based off of the story, whether it's the the person selling it, so maybe not even the company, or it's the, the company itself. I think the passion behind products too, I always like to see when people, because I'm just fascinated, like what makes you want to start a chocolate tart and macaroon business and go, you know, go global with it? Like I, it just, Because I I feel like, I mean, I write books and people think that that's, you know, a big accomplishment, which it is, but it's way different than trying to mass produce, you know, physical things and and think about distribution. And so um, I also think that there's a lot of work that goes into products. And um, I really respect people that, you know, really decide to to go for it. Well, you know. It, it makes sense. I, I like stories behind products too. If I think about some of the products that I really love to use, there is always a story behind them. Now, I really enjoyed the real life user personas episode that you put together as well. Oh yeah, that was definitely a fun one to record. I mean, most product people, they know what user personas are, but this is one where we actually found real user personas that companies had created and then found people that match those personas and had real conversations with them. Yeah, that's, that's it. I think it was it was the Anne Hartnett, um, who was the gym owner. Listening to that, everything really clicked for me. Well, I'll show you. The first person I met up with, her name was Anne Hartnett, who's the founder of Harness Cycle, which is this awesome cycling gym here in Cleveland. And I thought that she fit pretty well with the Jane persona that was in the blog post. Now, Jane is a 34-year-old gym owner. She wears a lot of hats. She's the de facto marketing manager and head of sales, but she mostly markets and serves stay-at-home moms. So in that persona, um, it says that Jane markets her business by using things like Google AdWords and blogging on her website, running offline campaigns. And she wants to be personally connected with customers, but her biggest fear is coming on too strong with those members and not really making an impact with her business. So when you met with Anne, was, was she actually a lot like Jane? Well, I'll let you be the judge. Michael, meet Ann Hartnett. My name is Ann Hartnett. I'm 34 years old. I'm the owner of Harness Cycle. Uh, at this point, I manage a team of four full-time employees that then oversee a full staff of around 25 employees. Um, I spend most of my time on programming, planning, a lot of accounting, finances, uh, marketing, I do community engagement initiatives and just kind of forecasting for our future. Anne is 34. Wasn't Jane 34? Yes. And like Jane, Anne also wears a lot of hats. Okay. So what everyone's waiting for, 
What did Anne think of the persona? <laughs> well, at this point, I showed it to her. And, well, we can listen in. The age, gender, role, yeah, I'd say gym owner, marketing manager, head of sales. That's definitely all me. Um, our target market, business to consumer, memberships, mostly stay-at-home moms and newbie gym owners. Um, we're certainly a business to consumer, but I would say that's probably not our audience for memberships. Yeah. Um, marketing solutions, offline campaigns, Google AdWords, blogging on website. Um, at this point, I mean, you know, content strategy, but we're pretty driven by social media right now. Um, but that's definitely an area we would want to focus on. So I could see that being connected with us, even though we're not executing that right now. Um, internal drivers wants to connect with customers on a personal basis, values, respect, relationships in a safe atmosphere, fears losing members, coming on too strong in her relationships and not making an impact with her business. Yeah, absolutely. Those are all motivators so for me. had to be a little weird, right? Looking at this document that a company put together that basically is trying to describe you. Yeah. And if you think about it, though, what better person than Anne to give feedback on this very persona? Like this persona was pretty basic. If the company wanted to make it better, Anne would be the exact person to talk to, right? You're totally right. And did you ask her about that? I did. Yeah. I asked Anne what she thought, you know, if she was going to give feedback to this company to make it a better persona, like what would that feedback even be? I think that as a small business owner, a business owner, a working mom, um, that's super relevant to everything I do on a daily basis. Um, it's It dictates when I work, how I work, and, you know, also dictates where I spend my time and what has to just wait. So I think diving a little bit deeper into, like, personal background is always relevant. I see a difference between people like myself in this industry that own and operate in an urban setting versus a suburban setting. Um, there's definitely different clientele. Um, we have different hurdles in our businesses, different things that you don't experience in the suburbs that you experience right. in the city and vice versa. Everything from diversity to parking to times and hours of operation, the type of employee you attract. And then I guess that would be my third area is number of employees. My day looked a lot different when I managed no one but myself and instructors versus now I have a team of three full-time employees. Um, things have shifted quite a bit. And one of the most interesting pieces of advice that we captured this season, I think, was the idea behind how to tell a good product story. Yeah, and, and why? So we had Josh Annan and Michael Jammin on to talk about how to structure a story. So do you remember the elements of a good story? Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. Um... <laughs> all right. All right. Hero, obstacle, goal. Hero, obstacle, goal. If you remember nothing else from this episode, take away hero, obstacle, goal. Goal. Okay. That's it. Hero, obstacle, goal. It's the struggle of a hero fighting an obstacle to achieve a goal. And that's it. Okay. And it's not two goals. It's not three obstacles. It's one, one, and one. And that's it. So I'm going to give you an example uh, just for everyone, you know, uh, an example that everyone's familiar with. Mm -hmm. 
So Jack and the Beanstalk. Yep. So who's the hero? Jack. Good. Got it right. He's the hero's <laughs> used it. to the his <laughs> name in the title. So what is his uh, goal? Um, shoot, it's it's. I'm, I'm trying to remember the story. He yeah. to get to the top of the beanstalk. The beanstalk, right? The giant. Good. Well, that's okay. the goal. That's the obstacle. The obstacle is the giant. This is the giant. I I forget what his motivation. The money to buy you're, shoes. You're dead. You're dead. I don't know. <laughs> Getting really close. So his uh, his goal was the goose that laid the golden egg. The goose. Okay. okay. Telling a story is so crucial. But you might be saying, okay, but how do I use this as a product person? I can't tell nursery rhymes to my team. <laughs> it's a valid point <laughs> when we talked with Josh Annan he broke this down for us one of the most powerful things I find is actually in what I call user narrative it's kind of a user story but agile sort of taken over that term to mean like a little to do item to me though a user narrative is something that you can write down in the PRD you can pitch to people verbally etc this is a story of what's going on in your customer's life. What are the challenges they have? What's the context? What's the situation? What are the pain points and frustrations they have? And then how does your product end up playing a role in their life and make it better? And what I find here is that if you tell an authentic story, something that's real and believable, somebody reads it and they go, yeah, I totally see this and get it, then that really helps you understand your product, the most important features, how it's going to work. And to re-emphasize the context from it, what people often forget is that using a product has a lot of friction to it. I was just talking last night with somebody about Shazam and how it's a great product, but to use it, it's kind of a pain. You have to get your phone out, unlock it, launch the app, tap the button, etc. So there's something interesting about how Alexa and other home assistants have actually switched this to be the other way, where you've heard something that you remember and you go, Alexa, play the song that is like this, yeah. and it's able to figure it out. So similar technology just applied in a way that has much less friction to the user, and now it's actually useful to their life. Okay. So context in a story is important to me as it helps you understand that friction in an authentic way. But Michael, I remember in the beginning of this episode, you mentioned one of your favorites was Blade Codley. Yeah, you remember his story about 9-11. I do, of course. Yeah, I think that was one of the most important pieces of audio that we've we've maybe ever captured on Rocket Ship. Should we just play the whole story again? It's it's like a minute or two. I don't see why not. I was working at a speech recognition company. We were helping uh, companies put speech recognition on their, their telephone lines. So to replace an IVR system, a touchstone system, is our first really big thing, and it's for... United Airlines, it's going to be the largest scale deployment of speech recognition technology in the world. It's the late 90s. And we're making this flight information system. So no longer you're going to press buttons for the flight number. You can just say Boston, Cleveland, tomorrow afternoon. And we're going to have a system that's so good, it's going to speak to you in this beautiful way. And so when I was developing this, I, I thought, I have this concept called, called experience center lining. It's spending a lot of time up front, figuring about the center line of that experience. And so in that, I spent all this time thinking, what should it sound like? How should it feel? Uh, every system has a female voice. Let's use a male voice, like a pilot. United Airlines, you kind of think of a, of a male figure. So let's find the great male voice, say, welcome to United Airlines, and make you feel like you've landed in the right place. Work really hard to craft every single word and speak to you at speed. 
not treat you like you're an idiot, like all these touch on systems, talk so slowly and they say ridiculous things like, like our options may have changed, but they may not have changed. <laughs> right. I don't want to hear about that. It's awful, it's the worst. So let's treat everyone like they're smart. That's the difference. So we did, um, we made this great system and as I'm going about the design process, I said, okay, now how are we gonna handle the tough things? Like if a plane goes down. I said, we don't talk about this. What do you mean you don't talk about it? Look at United, we don't talk about planes going down. Doctors don't talk about death on the operating table. I said, I understand that, but, but you, you kind of got to talk about it. I mean, parts of your organization does. They said, no, we don't. I said, of course they do. You, your insurance rates are set on number of acceptable deaths per year. They didn't even know that, the people I was talking to. And I kept working to advocate, saying we should do the right thing. Because at the experience, at the center of my experience, in my mind, we handled every single person the exact best way we can. So I keep advocating over the course of many weeks. We finally get to United Airlines headquarters and I've learned that there are special big rooms that are empty, call center rooms that are empty. They put their best agents on when there's any problem. Shut down a bunch of airports because of snow. Their best agents get into a room and they handle them because they can see everybody and, and they can handle all these problems. And they do a great job of it. I said I want some access in case something goes wrong to, to these database codes. You must have some codes. Yeah. They said, look, we don't even know. I said, I'm at headquarters. Can we get the database people in here? Okay, fine, they got them in at lunchtime. How many codes do you have? About 150, or some number like that. Yeah. Really? But I don't know too many. Yeah, you only know like eight or 10 of them, like departed, arrived, canceled, delayed. Um, but they're a bunch. They know like if the plane is at the gate, the jetway has not extended, they know it's a code. They know everything, but it's really wonderful. There are three Mayday codes. I said, I want access to that. I want to be able to do the right thing which is to do a transfer to those special groups without anything in between. Get them right to the people who need it. I said, we can't give it to you. Why not? We've got a three-tiered architecture. The database speaks to the middleware layer. It strips out all that stuff. It sends it out to the agent screens, screens in the airport, the phone system, the website, etc. But here's what we can do in this situation. We can do the right thing. We have an opportunity to do the right thing. Because that was the center line of the experience. And... They said, look, it's going to take us weeks to do a special connector for you. And you, it can take you weeks to do. And it turns, it turns out we're going to lose money in the process. Okay. And thankfully, my company that I worked for and United did it. And we took the hit to do the right thing. Yeah. We had great leadership who understood the value of adhering to the center line. Even though I didn't have those words back then. And unfortunately, on September 11th, it worked. And people called up and asked about Flight 93. And it said, I think you're calling about Flight 93. Is that correct? Yes. Hold on. Let me get you someone who can help. It transferred someone to the, to the right call center. American Airlines, uh, we tried to sell to. And they didn't want to buy from us. And uh, what they did was they had a company reverse engineer my system. Reverse engineer it word for word for word. Everything. Not doing the basic work to, to establish an experience center line for what it meant for them. But when people called American on that day, it said that flight is in the air. And someone thought someone was safe who wasn't. Oh my God. I know. I know. This is what happens when you're a designer. You have the opportunity to create moments that are really wonderful, even if they only occur rarely, or maybe never. Because that center line that drove those moments drive everything else as well. 
And that's, that's the power of, of great design. Every time that gets me. Well, and now I guess that brings us to the end of season four. So what's next? Season five. Well, yes, but when will season five be? So we've got two mini seasons coming up, one on jobs to be done and one on future tech, like AI, machine learning, Bitcoin, and privacy. Then we have a really special surprise that I can't quite tell everyone about, but in between the seasons, the content won't stop. That's right. I, I've actually been conducting interviews with product leaders for the last couple of months already, and we'll be releasing those interviews here in a condensed format, but I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. Well, so we'll see you right back here shortly. Leave a review, shout it on the mountaintops, yada, yada, yada. We'll be back next week and eventually in the next couple of months with season five. If you want to find out more about rocketship.fm, go to rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend. Or two friends, or a lot of friends. We would love it if you would spread the word. We, You could sign up for our newsletter. We have partnered with Product Collective, Mike Belsito's company, to bring you even more content each week. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get content from Rocketship FM. You're also going to get detailed product content from Product Collective, which is incredibly valuable. And as entrepreneurs, it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on. So go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoy this content, leave us a quick review um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple of days.